Texas women. She's also got an amazing ministry that includes um, visiting high schools, talking to kids about peer pressure and things of that nature. She's really uh, can speak into uh, lives and hearts of all ages. And as you know, she's also an amazing singer, um, songwriter. Uh, she's recorded. She's now an author. Uh, she was part of a movie that came out a couple years ago. So there's a lot of things that Alanka's been doing. And in fact, Alanka, I hope you're ready because this is going right into your introduction. <laughs> Wave at me. Oh, there she is. All right. Because we love Alanka. She's become a real friend, um, personal friend, but a friend of women's ministry. And our ministry is here. So welcome her as she comes. Alanka, please enjoy. Good morning. Oh, my gosh. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. There we go. Look. I've only had two hours of sleep last night, and I might be a little delusional up here this morning. But for those of you that had nice sleep, I'd like a good good morning, right? The Lord is so good to us. The Lord is so good to us. You know, I've never been more delighted to be exhausted in my life with having a little seven-month-old baby. I don't know if it's just because, yeah, the Lord has been so good to us with her, and she's a, she's a delight. And Bill... If you'll make your way up here, I'd love to show her off a little bit to everybody. Um, uh, her name is Ialia, which is a combination between Bill's name and my name. But we call her Ely, just for short, just because we like to be cute and a little bit different. But Ely, uh, while we've been on the road, has just decided that she is not sleeping. Um, <clears throat> all those moms out there who say their kids sleep through the night, I do not believe it. I do not believe it. I do not believe it for one single second. Since she's been born, I don't think I've slept more than maybe three to four hours a night. Yeah, there she is. Oh. Say hi. Are you going to minister? Are you going to minister? Say hi, everybody. And um, so I don't believe it that you all sleep through the night. Now, I'm one of those. That, there you go. I'm one of those weird parents who, who we do bed sharing, you know? Oh, goodness. Bill, might be a good time for you to, yeah. If, if I give this to her, she's not going to want to give it back. Yeah. There you go. Yay! I am one of those weird parents who, who has completely gone against the advice of my mother, who said... She's got to be in her own room at six weeks old, and you need to have a structure, and you got to follow Dr. Dobson, and hear all these books. And it sounded like a great idea when I was pregnant, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this. I got it. I got it. I'm going to do it. And let me tell you, that all went out the window. <laughs> because when that little bitty baby cries, my heart just jumps to go and be with her, to soothe her, and to help her. So I have no idea how I'm going to discipline her one day. I was walking to the car this morning, and I said, I have come up with the idea of what we're going to do, Bill. You are going to discipline her. <laughs> I am not going to do it. I am going to be the good mother and the good parent, and you can discipline her. And Bill looked at me, and he said, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> we both will end up doing that, right? Anyway. 
Well, Karen, thank you for having me. I love being with you all. I feel like you're my family. Um, how many of you have heard me speak before and know a little bit about my story? Okay, good, good. I'm so glad to hear that. How many of you are coming to the Women's Conference? Okay, for those of you that haven't raised your hands, keep your hands up, ladies who are coming. I want you to look around, right? You do not, under any circumstance, want to miss Sheila speaking. I went um, with Patsy Claremont out to a Women of Faith conference in Billings, Montana, and got to meet Sheila and got to spend time with her. You will absolutely die laughing at this woman. If you need laughter in your life and, and the gospel with how she brings those two things together, you've got to show up. She's got a very deep story, but she makes you laugh. She's got a fantastic accent. You just want to hear her speak all the time. She's got a phenomenal singing voice, which I hope that she will do for you all. So I know it's $55, correct, for you to sign up. Um, talk to Karen. Get signed up for it. You do not want to miss Sheila speaking. You will be so, so, so blessed. Well, on that note, I want to do a little bit of a fun song for you all, just to get us in the mood of sharing God's Word. And um, I'm a little bit of an old-timer in my soul when it comes to music. So uh, Fred has stared at the song, and you will recognize it. So if you know it, sing along with me, all right? Snap your fingers, come on. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Can't you hear the bitter pain and that happy tune easy your step? Oh, love can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street. I used to shade when my blues on parade but now I'm not afraid cause there's so much has crossed over if I never have a scent I'd be rich as a Rockefeller there we go dust in my feet on the sunny side the street come on snap those fingers let me see you this is the new form of worship snapping our fingers to the beat to the beat to the beat
so much. You know, for those of you that do know my story, you know that for a very long time, I did walk with my blues on parade. It's one of the reasons I picked that song. And for anybody in this room that has suffered with depression or anxiety or fear, you know, that is kind of a gloomy side of the street that we're on. And it's only when we experience God's goodness and grace that we experience what? Light and sunshine and goodness, and joy. And uh, I get asked <clears throat> quite a bit why I ended up making this love song project and, you know, with some of mainstream songs on it. And let me tell you, any love song that you hear in the, in, the, in the world is a song that is imparted to us by God because He is love. All of us want to be loved. All of us are loved by God the Father. And I hope that in the message that the Lord has put on my heart for you this morning, that you will see that you are so desperately loved by the Lord, but that you can 100% rely on the Lord in your life. After I gave birth to Ely, I'm someone that struggles with a bit of fear and a bit of anxiety. And in the hospital, they, they teach you all about SIDS and, you know, all of those things. And for the first so many months of her little life, it really gripped my heart in fear to the point to where I would have to stand and say, okay, Lord, you are who you say you are. I can rely on you. I can rely on you. Help me that when I sleep that you will watch this little baby girl. How many of you struggle with trusting God in your life? Do you struggle with fear maybe? Do you have things of anxiety to where you think, hmm, you know what, maybe I'll just hold on to this one thing that I've got to figure out and I'm not ready yet to completely fully trust God to give it to him. Well, you're not alone. You're not alone. I'm not alone. It's filled with the Bible. I'm going to share five different examples for you of that this morning. Um, for those of you that have your iPhones with you, I'm a Facebooker. I'm a Facebooker. I'm an Instagrammer. Find me on Facebook, please, and follow me. I post all kinds of crazy stuff and about little Ely in our lives, and it is me posting it. So either Ilonka Deaton or Ilonka Ministries, I would love to be your friend, and I'd love to follow you and see what you've got going on in your life. And maybe along the way, I would have such an honor and privilege to encourage you when you need prayer and to walk alongside of you. Um, so relying and trusting on God can be, can be hard for us. So here's five examples for you. If you have something to write with, grab it out. If you've got a Bible with you, that's wonderful too. The five examples we're going to look at is a prophet who was absolutely filled with fear. You all know him, Elijah. We're going to look at two disciples who were absolutely fearless. And we're going to look at Paul, who took on a posture of humility through a sense of trusting in the Lord. And then Jesus and his utter obedience with him speaking to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, I love, I love Elijah's story because it makes me feel not so alone in my life when I struggle with fear and when I struggle with anxiety. Um, it is mind-blowing to think that Elijah, who had this, you know the story, this massive conquering victory of burning down everybody who had followed Baal. And the altars were, you know, they weren't taken up with fire, but then the Lord sent fire down for Elijah's altar and burned everything, including the 12 jars of water they had poured on it. And it was such a testament at that time because there was a drought in the land. And 12 jars of water to be poured on an altar was excessive. 
It's not something they did. But Elijah believed so much that God was going to show up for him. He had so much faith in the Lord that God was going to come through for him that he even did that. And the Lord showed up. Now, just a few chapters after that, what do we see? A queen threatens Elijah's life, and he runs very dearly for his own life in fear that she was going to kill him. What happened here? Elijah did not trust that God was going to protect him. Although he was a man of great faith and knew that God would show up, he did not believe that the Lord was going to protect him. And 1 Kings 19, I'll read it for you. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. Have you ever been afraid in your life? He was so afraid that he ran for his life. You know, fear is a strange thing. I've found in my life that Fear is something that the enemy uses to distract me from God's promises. It distracts me from the truth of God's word. It makes me feel that I'm alone and that I have to figure things out on my own. And I can just imagine that this is where Elijah was. And you know, when the Lord allowed Elijah to keep running until he eventually came to him and said, what are you doing here? Now, I don't know about you, but... If the Lord came to me in the middle of the night while I was desperately afraid for my little girl breathing through the night, and she didn't have any breathing issues, but I had that fear. And I thought if I could just stay awake, I could make sure that she was fine because somehow I imagined that I have control over that. If the Lord came to me in the middle of the night and said, what are you doing? What, what are you? Go to sleep. What are you doing? I got this. I probably would have been jolted. But so many times because we don't hear God immediately in those instances, we forget the truth about his word, that we can rely on him, that we can trust him. Now, this is a daily walk and a posture that I think that we have to step into to say, Lord, I choose today to trust you with my marriage. I choose today to trust you with this job that I absolutely cannot stand. I choose to trust you to take me into the next season of my life. I choose you with going through menopause. What, whatever your area of concern is in your life, to choose that you can trust the Lord in your life. I absolutely adore the story of Peter and John um, in the Bible, in Acts 4.23, which is called the Believer's Prayer, after they had been called in by the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin did not want them to profess the, the resurrection of Jesus, to say that Jesus is alive. Well, they had professed the resurrection of Jesus to such a point that 5,000 men came to Jesus. Thousands of people would just start converting to Christianity and giving their lives to Jesus. Well, it freaked all of the, the Sanhedrin out. So they first jailed them. Then they said, okay, well, some of the other communities saw the miracles that happened. So we cannot say that it didn't happen, but what are we going to do? We've got to talk to them. They cannot say this stuff anymore, right? How many times have you been in your life where someone has taken a position of authority over you to quiet you? 
to distract you, to get you outside of God's calling for your life when you know that there's something that you need to do. People with authority sometimes think that they have power over you. No. You have an audience of one, and that's Jesus, right, that you have to answer to, right? We all follow rules. I get that in structure. That is fine. But never step out of God's calling for your life. And that's what these two disciples did. They stood in front of the Sanhedrin and said, well, this is what we believe. This is absolutely what we believe. Here's a man who has been healed. He's standing right here. And so the Sanhedrin kind of came together and said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's just send them and tell them not to do it anymore. But they did threaten them to be jailed, that they could lose their lives. Now, here's what's interesting. When these two disciples went back to the other disciples to tell them what had happened and everything that the Sanhedrin said, they prayed a prayer, which is remarkable. I'm going to read it for you. It's Acts 4, 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations and the people plot in vain? The kings on the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Have you ever seen believers in your life band up against you? Boy, we're good at that. I've been part of some of those parties before. Shamefully, I can say that I have been. And that is not a posture of humility to what we need to step into, right? Or to where we need to be. Now, it's okay if you have done that, but we don't want to continue on a road like that. And that's what I love about them here. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaking, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What is so amazing about this story? Not one time after being put in jail, after being taken in front of the priests and the elders in the Sanhedrin, not one time in one of these prayers did they say, Oh, dear God, please protect us. Not one time. They didn't need to because they believed and know that God is always protecting you. If you're a child of God, he's your banner. He's over you. He's protecting your life. He's protecting your kids. But what they did need was to continue to speak in great boldness about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have that fear in your heart, like, oh, God, are you going to show up in this area of my life? Stand on his word and ask him to give you the boldness, to give you the courage to continue on the path where you are going, and that you can trust him that he will light your feet and that he will give you the way that you should go. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane had such a, he had such a command and oh, such a reverence and such 
humility towards God the Father. I love when he said, Father, if, if, it, if it's your will, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done in my life, not mine. We sometimes get in situations in our lives where you might have a relationship fall apart. Years ago, I, I went through a divorce, and it was a very difficult time in my life, all the point to where I, you know my story, to where I, I attempted suicide. And thinking back and looking back at that moment, sitting in the suffering of your life falling apart, or you not knowing the answers of things in your life, it is easy for us to, instead of gaze upon Jesus for help, that we just try to fix it ourselves. And I have found that the Holy Spirit is such a gentleman that he will step right aside and say, okay, you try, like Elijah did. Run, run for your life, go, go, go. But God does chase us down. The Lord will come back to you. And my prayer from my own heart is, Lord, please don't let me be that foolish to go that far away from you before grabbing and reining me back in. Wouldn't you like that too? I think we waste so much time and so much agony and so much suffering and so much heartache and so much anxiety and sleepless nights over mulling over things in our brains and in our minds that we could give to God to say, Lord, let your will be done in my life even if I don't understand it. But yet, we are not as women alone in any of this stuff. Paul reminds us to a letter to the Romans um, that we have not been given the spirit of fear. What a wonderful Bible verse that is. I remind myself of that when I feel fearful. Lord, you did not give me a spirit of fear. Um, <clears throat> the remarkable thing about Paul writing um, his letter to the Romans is that he had such a grasp and understanding that no matter what we go through in life, there you will feel the effects of it, but you are not going to be destroyed. Um, it is almost like walking through a fire on both sides of you, down a street, but the fire doesn't burn you. You get a little bit sweaty, and you get a little bit uncomfortable, but the fire does not consume you. And I'll read you his words. The spirit you, you receive does not make you a slave so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with your spirit that you are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. When you've given your life to Jesus, you don't approach Jesus and God the Father anymore as a beggar. Oh, please, Lord, show up in my life. Oh, please, Lord, feed my family. Oh, please, Lord, we need a new car. How about saying, Lord, thank you that you're providing a new car for me. Thank you that you're a good, good father, that you are going to feed my children today. Thank you that you are sending me a new job. Thank you that you are helping me restore the broken relationships in my life. Thank you that you are present in my life. Regardless of everything negative that I feel and fear, thank you that you are who you say you are. And I'm going to choose to stand on those promises. We do have a lot of power as women to make a decision that you're going to trust God. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you can make that decision. I am going to trust God. I will speak his word of truth over my life, no matter what the negative things in my mind tells me to do. Because if we allow the negativity and we allow the doubt to come in, that is just the enemy running rampant. 
in your life. And there is no place for the enemy in your life because you have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Paul continues in his letter um, to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, um, and he reminds them of something remarkable. Paul had just finished uh, convincing in 1 Corinthians the church to join him, to join his cause, to follow Jesus. And he gave them the whole outline, which you're very familiar with, with how we should be in church. So you would expect after they joined him that in 2 Corinthians, he would have this celebratory moment of victory and like rejoicing. And that's not what he does at all. He's actually very transparent and open and, and very humble about his heart's posture towards Jesus. And I'll read you the scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart because he knows that God's in control, right? Rather, we have renounced secrets and shameful ways. Rather, we have renounced secrets and shameful ways. When you have become a believer in Jesus, there are no more secrets and shames because God has shined light into your life. There is no place for darkness when you are a believer. Now, I do know that pretty much 100% of the women in this room, you have made a secret with something in your life. It could be a small secret, like, I don't want anybody to know that we're having financial trouble because then they're not going to invite me and my kids to a birthday party or, you know, when they're going to be weird with me. It could be a small secret. Or it could be a big secret, like, you know what, I had an abortion and if people knew that, they're not going to like me. Let me tell you something. Those secrets in your life will shackle you to the enemy for the rest of your life. There is no place for secrets and shame in your life. And if you are afraid to step out of those secrets, read my book, please. I had a very big secret in my life that I had to step out of, and it was not easy to do it. And I really had to pray for boldness and courage to do that. But you can too. Don't allow the small little pity secrets in your life to start becoming bitterness and anger and resentment. Because it, it, is, it, it is like a dark cloud that will just encircle your heart. And it will just draw you deeper and deeper and deeper into a pit of darkness and depression. We, and I, I do think as women, we need to be more honest with each other. We need to be transparent and say, here's where we're struggling in, in our lives. Here is currently, you know, what we're going through. I get asked a lot with, with, uh, with Ialia and with Bill. People think that we have this perfect life. We do not have a perfect life by any stretch of the imagination. I'm learning how to be a new mom. I, I'm doing the best that I can. I think I'm making mistakes just like everyone else. Um, we, Bill and I both come from previous marriages, so we still work on reconciliation with our family members, and those are good, but it's an ongoing working that we have to do, and now Ilya's in the midst of that, so what does that look like, right? I have a brother that's, a, that's an addict that we deal with on a weekly basis, and praying through God, deliver him, deliver him, deliver him. God has not set him free yet, but we keep praying, you know, for him to, and I know that you have family members like this as well in your life. Um, I have a mother that is aging, you know, and we have to start looking at, you know, how is a family going to take care of her? Our lives are not perfect. And I don't think we, we, I don't think that we were meant to live perfect lives. I think Jesus was supposed to be the only one that's perfect. And that the cross has to become bigger in our lives and we become smaller and we say, Oh, Lord, I'm crying, uncle. 
Abba, Father, please enter into this portion of my life. Give us the steps in the direction of where we need to go in this season. Because then we take on a posture of humility and we need the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I need him to breathe. I need the Lord every day just to take a breath. And the beautiful thing is every morning you wake up, he whispers, Laurie, wake up. Terry, wake up. Karen, wake up. I got something for you. I'm not done with you. Your life has meaning and purpose, and I'm going to do a work in you. And even if you don't know that meaning and purpose, we can pray for you and ask the Lord to show you that meaning and purpose. Let's continue in Scripture here. Rather, we have renounced secrets and shameful ways. We do, do not use deception, nor we do, do we desert, uh, distort. See, there's the sleep coming in, everybody. Woo, delusional thinking, right? The Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the, the truly plain, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that is displayed in glory of Jesus Christ with an image of God. For what we preach is not of ourselves, but of Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says something remarkable. But we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And here's that part about the fire might get hot, but you are not going to be destroyed. We are hard-pressed on every side. You've been hard-pressed in your life. I have. But we are not crushed. Hallelujah. You are not crushed. You might be perplexed, but you will not be in despair. Story of Job, right? You might be persecuted, but you will never be abandoned. No matter what you go through in your life, you never walk through it alone. No matter if every single person in your life has walked away from you and you're standing on a deserted island by yourself, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father is with you. You are never alone. We're struck down, but not destroyed. You can rely on God, and it doesn't have to be perfect, ladies. It does not have to be perfect. It's okay to say, Lord, I don't know the way. Show me how to trust you. Show me how to understand grace. Show me how to have mercy and how to receive mercy in my life. How many of you, when someone gives you a nice compliment that you look nice, you'll say, Oh, this old thing. Oh, I didn't spend any time. Or, you know, I've gained 63 pounds. And that, and, that. and we just go, bup, 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 bup. like the person who's asking, giving you the compliment wanted to know all that. <laughs> they didn't want to know that. They're giving you a compliment. And all you got to say is, thank you. Thank you. But yet our insecurities jump out and like, oh, my gosh, you will not believe what I've been doing in my life. Well, yes, we have stories, but when someone compliments you, speaks a word of delight in your life, speaks a word of blessing into your life, please receive that. Just receive it with a nice, thank you, Lord. A couple of weeks ago, I decided that I needed some help to lose my baby weight. I did. I gained 64 pounds in my pregnancy. Woo! It was fun. I had help from three sisters, let me tell you, to gain that weight. I did. Taco Bell, I called her Takiana. 
Mm-hmm. McDonald's, she's my Macbeth. And then Wendy, she's girly enough. We didn't have to rename her. But those three sisters were my companions through my pregnancy. And let me tell you, the fries, the waffle fries, anything bad that you can imagine, I ate. Which I never ate before in my life. Steak and shakes, milkshakes. Oh, buddy, just give me a gift card. <laughs> Loved all of it. And I did it with so much pleasure, and Bill gained just as much weight. No, not quite as much, but half as much as I did. And we just had a blast, because how can he tell me at 11 o'clock at night, uh, I don't want to drink that milkshake when I'm like, well, baby, come on. I mean, this is for the baby. <laughs> and we just got chubby and happy. And I loved it. Now I'm like, well, I'm nursing. Praise the Lord, I'm still nursing. It's working. The baby did go on a boob strike a week or so, which was hard for me. She did. I mean, nursing mamas, let me see your hands. Come on, be real with me, yeah? Has your baby ever gone, it's called a nipple strike, but has a baby ever done that to you? It is the most frightening thing. I have never prayed more in my life over my boobs. I mean, I'm telling you, I would sit and go, oh, Lord. Please let there be milk. It is all the research shows if you, if you nourish, you have such an attachment with your baby. Please give me. And then I've had clogged milk ducts, which is not fun. No, my lactation nurse is on speed dial. She texted me this morning and said, how are you doing? You better pump before you go on that stage. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to do it. Got to keep the girls happy. We gotta keep the baby happy, the girls happy, and I gotta lose this weight. But it's not coming off with breastfeeding. I, I, I think that people lied to me and said, you're gonna lose all the weight with breastfeeding. It doesn't happen like that. <laughs> In fact, I'm so hungry all the time. I eat twice the amount of food that Bill does. There's something wrong with this, people. <laughs> so I decided to join Weight Watchers. Well, it hasn't worked yet because I haven't followed the point system yet. I mean, I signed up for it, I paid for the classes, and I thought, well, if I can go to a support group meeting, you know, it's going to work. And so the first time I went, they weighed me, and they're like, okay, you're 162 pounds. I don't mind telling you my weight. It's just bare all, right? 162 pounds, and okay, so you've got to follow these things, and you're breastfeeding and everything. And I thought, well, at least nobody will know me here, and I mean, it'll be fine. I've done counseling before, I'm just going to go and sit. Well, I walk into the meeting, and I sit right next to the therapist of my church. <laughs> Perfect. She's like, I didn't know that you were a WW fan. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm a WW girl, you know? So she keeps texting me and saying, how are you doing? I've lost eight pounds. I'm like, I've gained three. <laughs> well, what are you doing? Not using the point system, spending money and not doing anything? Yet, too, I can tell you that I love my in-shape of roundness that I am in. And although I've gained Buffy, my little muffin right here, <laughs> she's my friend, Buffy, yeah? She's become a, a little less attractive to me lately, but I just keep buying shirts with stuff on it, you know? Like sparkly things, so my necklaces keep getting longer and longer, <laughs> and my jackets keep getting bigger. And I'm like, Bill, I don't know about these pants. And he's like... You look beautiful. You know, so many times we judge who we are in the Lord with what we look like. What kind of a hair do you got? You know, do you buy all the fancy makeup? You know, do you, what do you do? And I think 
having a baby and going through this season of life, the Lord has rid me of a lot of selfish things. Do you find that as a, as a mom? You know, uh, with us not sleeping so well, and I'm totally okay with it, you know, because we choose to bed share with her, and, and, and we're fine with that. Um, something else where, you know, I would have to have all this time to get ready before a conference. Now it's like, if I, I mean, if I have 10, 15 minutes and we can get out the door, I mean, we just got to do what we got to do. Whether I have the right uh, soap or the shampoo, or the, it doesn't matter. It's just do what you got to do and get out the door, get the baby dressed and go. Right? Right. I think that as the Lord reminds us that he is good, he is the one that we need to trust on. He is the one that's supposed to take center place in our life. And the cross of Jesus always has to become bigger in your life. And you have to become smaller so that you can be in a position of kneeling at the cross to say, Lord, this season, this fear, this anxiety, this depression that I am in, I do want to believe and trust in your word. I do want to believe like uh, John and Peter did in the Bible. I do want to believe what Paul said, that I will not be destroyed, even though I might feel the effects of what we're going through. You know which area in your life you're struggling with. I want to read you just a couple of names of God that I want you Whichever one resonates with you, I want you to write it down, and I want you to go and write it on your mirror with an eyeliner or something, a Sharpie, whatever, whatever floats your boat, write it on your mirror. And here are some of the words that speaks truth in my heart. God is Jehovah. He is the I am. He just is. You never have to question or doubt it. He just is. So if you struggle with it, write that down. God is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. He will provide for you. God is Jehovah Shalom. If you do not have peace in your house and there's a lot of confusion and turmoil, write this and start professing it. God, you are Jehovah Shalom. You are Jehovah Shalom. God is Jehovah Rapha, if I'm saying that correctly. Karen, am I saying that correctly? Okay. Boy, I got to look these things up. And that means God is your healer. The Lord will heal. If you are dealing with a sickness, if someone in your family is dealing with a sickness and your prayer has not been answered, do not stop praying. Believe that God is going to show up in your life and profess over that illness or that person who God says he is. And he is Jehovah Rapha. God is Jehovah Nisi. He is your banner. God is your banner. He is always protecting you. He's always watching over you. He's always sending his angels to guard and help and guide you. The Holy Spirit is with you every single second of the day. And I don't want you to forget that God is your comforter. Every single one of us will experience some type of grief in our lives. If we just went through a family death and I had to see grief again up close and, and personal, it is hard for us to deal with, but take heart that the Lord is your comforter in any season of your life. God is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He is the ultimate authority. The buck stops with him. That is the person of one audience for you in your life and for your family. If it's okay with God, it should be okay with the world. And if it's not okay with the world, your decisions, it's okay with God. I mean, that is where we don't get distracted from the world, but we follow what God wants for our lives. God is your Father. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray to the Father, but it was the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians that told us to 
cry, Abba, Father. There are seasons and times in your life where I know for me where a simple prayer just doesn't do it, to where I just got to go, Daddy, what now? Where do we go now with this? Cry, Abba, Father. He's always there for you. God is Adonai. He's the master, and he's the Lord. He is so good at what he does, he will never give you wrong advice. Do you love that? He will never give you wrong advice or leave it up to you to figure out. He will always direct your step. And God is Elohim. He is your strength, and he is your power. If you feel like you're spent because you've been a caregiver for somebody, the Lord will be your strength. He will be your power. Every single morning when you wake up, he will give you new mercies and new grace so that you can get up and go on. Um, I have a very close friend of mine who has three little kids, and she's actually my best friend, and Bill and I went to Arkansas to go and visit them. And I was amazed at how one mom can take care of three little ones. It's like watching a ping pong match between three kids. This one's fed, this was school. Okay, here we go. Okay, get this one. And she just got it down. And I looked at her and I said, Sarah, you are like my hero right now. You're amazing. Look at what you're doing, raising these kids. So mamas, take heart. You're doing a good thing raising your family members. You know, if you want to change the world, Mother Teresa says what? Go home and love your family. Right? Powerful words. I want you to consider writing a statement for yourself of relying on the Lord. I wrote something out for myself, and I'm going to read it to you. You can use some of this, or you, could, you need to write your own, though, and come up with things that are really important to your heart. I'm a child of the Most High God. He loved me first. Jesus died for me not only for other people. He died for me, too. I live under grace and not law and condemnation. I have been set free, and I am free. I am redeemed. God is good to me. God loves me. God is my provider. He is my peace. I do not have to be afraid because he is with me. God is just to me. God is my healer. He knows all of my needs. He understands me. I'm never alone. God is faithful in my life. God is at work in me, in my life, and in my family's life. God is my banner. He always protects me. I can call him my daddy. Did you know in the Hebrew word, when you look at God the Father, it's similar to daddy? It's of such a term of endearment to call him daddy. God is my strength and my power. He is the light at my feet. God upholds me. He is my strength and my power. He is my great comforter. I'm always under his wing, and I choose today to rely 100% on him. I do know that we struggle in this area, that little trust muscle of trusting the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Pastor Karen, and if there's anybody else here to pray, um, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And I want to ask that if you need to trust the Lord more in your life, if you are struggling to rely on Him, if you are gripped in fear, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you have some depression about something, if you don't know the Lord and you want to know the Lord, if you've known the Lord a lot in your life and you want to come back to following Him more diligently, I want you just to come forward. We're not going to pray individually. I'm just going to do a prayer over all of you. But please come forward as I do the song. We want to pray for you because I want you to have freedom. There is nothing like having freedom to live your life free in the Lord and not to be afraid. And it might be a daily struggle, and it might be something that God just like heals you from instantly. 
And I pray that this will be the day that that happens for you. song again for us we're going to go into a time of prayer i'm going to be right up front here 
come with me because I know that my heart needs this prayer. Karen, if you would join me, we will pray for everybody. Okay, so here's how this is going to go. If you need to rely on the Lord or trust the Lord, Lord more in your life, I want you to get up and come forward, right? And then Karen and I will together pray over all of you, all right? I know that that trust muscle is something that all of us need strength with. This is not a one-person thing. This is an every-person thing in your life, right? Every person. Do not be afraid. Do not be ashamed. No one is looking at you. God wants you to know that you can trust Him, that you can rely on Him, that He is your Father, that He's always with you, that you are not alone. You have never been abandoned in your life, even if everyone in your life has left you. God is always, always good. God is always good. All right, so with every eye closed and head bowed, we pray over you. Father God, thank you.